SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to our number two of the morning after on a Monday right here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. What a Monday in the world of sports. Following the immediate reaction of Selection Sunday last night, the NCAA tournament field of 68 is now set. We continue our bracket breakdown later in this hour to hopefully make some sort of sense of all the madness we can expect over the next three weeks. Of course, Tom Brady is now back in the NFL, saying retirement, eh, not for this Florida man as of yet, heading into his 23rd year in the NFL. We'll look at that later on in this hour as well. But as we begin hour number two, we need to go to the association and the NBA. If we could look at some of the recaps from yesterday's action across the National Basketball Association because in Brooklyn, a big day for the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant. Not so much about Tom Brady, but about Brooklyn and Kevin Durant because KD goes off for 53 points in the Nets' 110-107 win over their Crossboro rival in the New York Nets. 53 points for Kevin Durant against the Knicks yesterday. 19 of 37 from the field. Since KD has returned in five games now, he is averaging 32 points per game. He's had 31 or more in three of the five for Brooklyn. And if the last three games has been any bit of a sample size for why the Nets have remained the favorite in the Eastern Conference all year, it is starting to be a little bit of a clearer picture. Brooklyn has won three straight games. They have covered in two of those three, but not yesterday as a six-point favorite at home against the New York Knicks. And I mentioned at home for a reason. Brooklyn, two of those three wins on the road when Kyrie Irving could play for the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving in attendance yesterday at the Barclays Center, but did not play in the game. Continuing the conversation around the vaccine mandate for the private sector here in the New York City area. But at home, Brooklyn did not cover yesterday despite beating the Knicks by three points. They did not cover as a six-point favorite. And if you want to fade the Brooklyn Nets when they play inside the Barclays Center, you can, and you already have made tons of money. The worst ATS record at home in the entire league this year. It's abysmal. 6-25-1 against the number. A cover percentage less than 20. By far the worst cover percentage of any team playing at home against the number all year long. And Brooklyn, as they have all year and on this three-game win streak, remains the favorite in the Eastern Conference. Plus 270. Both Milwaukee and Philadelphia, 10 cents of movement back in this marketplace. Another team that has made a move up the board, that would be the Boston Celtics. $2 of movement over the weekend from nine to one now to seven to one in the Eastern Conference. Still the fifth best price, but positive movement in this marketplace. Why? Boston has won seven of their last 10 games, but did have their five game win streak snapped at home yesterday on the retirement of Kevin Garnett's jersey. 95-92, the Celtics losing to the Dallas Mavericks at home. Spencer Dinwiddie 
for the Mavs, hitting the game-winning three-pointer with just about nine seconds remaining. Spencer Dinwiddie, 18 points for the Mavs yesterday. Luka Doncic continues to be fantastic. 26 points, eight boards, eight assists. Jason Tatum, a double-double yesterday, but only 21 points alongside his 11 boards. The Dallas Mavericks winning outright on the road yesterday as a seven-point underdog. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after on this Monday in the month of March. Sirius XM Channel 159, all across the Sports Grid Network and all of our radio affiliates joining us now here in the mix for the morning after. I am Ben Stevens. Looking at some of the action around the association. Of course, the NCAA tournament field is set, but as we get to the postseason on the horizon in the NBA, every game important for playoff positioning. And when you look at the Dallas Mavericks right now, certainly keep an eye on their price to win the Western Conference. Dallas has won outright in their last two games as an underdog. They have covered in seven straight games as an underdog. They have won outright six of those seven covers. They are six and one straight up in their last seven games when booked as a dog. Dallas has won 12 of their last 15 games. Boston has won 16 of their last 19 games. Both teams making some moves in the East and the West, but although the Celtics are making moves in the Western Conference or in the Eastern Conference odds board, not the case for the Dallas Mavericks, as we'll touch on in just a moment, because at the top of that Western Conference odds board and at the top of the entire league and the Western Conference standings, you will find the Phoenix Suns, who absolutely blasted the LA Lakers yesterday, 140-111, winning by nearly 30 points. Phoenix is the only team in the NBA so far to already clinch a playoff berth in yesterday, covering as a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite against LA. It was their first time, though, for the Phoenix Suns, covering as a favorite in their last four attempts. And Phoenix has been booked as a favorite in most of their games this year, 59 of 68 to be exact still a winning cover percentage against the spread as a favorite 31 in 28 Devin Booker a double double 30 points 10 dimes LeBron James on the other side 31 points but the Lakers have lost seven of their last nine games only covering in that nine game span twice the Lakers now the longest price we have seen all year in the Western Conference odds boards 36 to 1 Phoenix remains the lone favorite at plus 160 30 cents ahead of the Golden State Warriors. So the Phoenix Suns, the favorites in the West, and keep an eye on that Mavericks play price, 19 to one, still somehow, some way, the sixth best in the Western Conference. The Sports Professor is up next here on GMA. SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 seven as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Where in the world is our sports professor Rick Horo? Is a question we'll be able to ask later this week as the madness in March gets underway for the big dance. But on this Monday, he's here on the morning after and making his declaration already known that Rick Horo is the chalkiest of the chalks, the biggest public sap out there, and thinks that Coach K will end his retirement tour with a national championship. Rick, I used to like you. Now I think a little bit differently of you. 
Well, thank God then. It, it, it worked. <laughs> just, hey, Coach K wrote the forward of my book, man. I mean, what am I going to say? My daughter spent four years there, almost chose okay. not to go to Harvard Law because she wanted part of the Duke experience for another three years. Her Duke experience was jumping up and down as a Cameron crazy. I'm not yep. sure Duke has the guts to finish off a game that matters. I know that's a challenge, but they're 0 for 2 with North Carolina last week and Virginia Tech this week. Those games, you could argue, in the rearview mirror don't matter. Uh, we'll see what happens in the final events that do matter. They go out west. Uh-oh. Rick, I think Coach K probably heard you talking crap about his Duke Blue Devils trying to close out a game, so that is unfortunate. We'll try to get Rick Coro back here on this show as our sports professor in just a moment. But although Rick Horro feels pretty confidently about the Duke Blue Devils, the marketplace doesn't necessarily feel that same way. Duke, 13-1, right prior to Selection Sunday in the bracket being revealed last night to win the national championship on this Monday morning. Duke, 17-1, dollars of movement against the Blue Devils. Why, you might ask? Well, they play in the West region as the number two seed to Gonzaga being the number one overall seed in the big dance and the one seed, of course, in that West region as well. We saw that be the case yesterday. After the bracket was laid out, we had a better sense of what a path would be to a Final Four or a potential berth in a national championship game. For instance, Duke odds, Duke's odds got longer by $4. Gonzaga's odds grew shorter by $3, or $0.80, rather, but the shortest price we have seen at plus 300 all year long on the Zags. $3 shorter than Arizona, who has the second-best price at plus 600. An interesting distinction here in this marketplace as well. Kentucky is the two-seed in the East region. They're plus 850. They have the third-best odds. Baylor is 10 to 1. They are the one seed in the East region, yet the two seed in the East region is a dollar and a half shorter of a number to win the national championship. Rick Horo is back. I think he was kicked off because of some technological issues. Maybe some conspiracy theorists out there around Duke not happy with his comments about the Blue Devils not being able to close out games. But Rick, let's get into the business side of March Madness. But before you, you do, mind, before you do, I think you're going to say, before yeah, you, go ahead, Rick. You're sure. Before show. you do, it, yeah. it, said, it said on here, Hamster not fed, disconnected. What, what what does that mean? I don't know. You're the one that knows everything about the internet, I was told. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Now, let, let, let's move on. I, I will accept whatever small blame there is uh, going my way and bigger blame to your side. So here we go. Yeah. No, that's right. We'll, we'll, we'll own it, Rick. We'll step up and we'll take it here. But we want to hear from you. Oh, my goodness. There's George Belucci again. What is happening with some of how we're bouncing around between Rick Coro? And George Belecci. All right, George is coming up next to talk about the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum and everything that's happening in the Eastern Conference. I guess I'll keep going and talking about the national championship market until we get Rick Horo back here in the fold to hear the business perspective of March Madness because maybe the biggest singular event outside of the Super Bowl. So as we look at those national championship odds, I was making the distinction in the East region. Kentucky is the number two seed in the East at plus 850. The Baylor Bears, 10 to 1. But if we want to talk market movement in the national championship market, look no further than the Iowa Hawkeyes down there at 25 to 1. They are tied there with Texas Tech, which is the final price you can see alongside Tennessee as well. All three of those teams, 25 to 1. A couple of weeks ago, 
three and a half weeks or so, we were on this show, and Kevin Walsh brought up the point about the Iowa Hawkeyes and the value they might present at 150 to 1 to win the national championship. 150 to 1 three and a half weeks ago. The reason Iowa has seen so much market movement in their favor is because the Iowa Hawkeyes won 12 of their final 14 games. They have won five straight games in route winning a Big Ten tournament title. And the Iowa Hawkeyes have won every game in the month of February and now into early March by an average margin of 16.4 points per game. The Iowa Hawkeyes are one of the hottest teams in all of college basketball and have seen tremendous market movement. Speaking of the market, and maybe the business side of March Madness, Rick, I was saying it might be the single biggest event outside of the Super Bowl. What does the monetary value of March Madness look like? $10 billion in gaming, 30% more than the Super Bowl when you think about it. Uh, we'll talk about it end of the week because I'm sure people are going to be watching this. But $13 billion in corporate losses that uh, study annually says because people are sneaking around on the Internet looking at the Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Sunday games. I'm thinking, though, because most people are working at home, nobody's sneaking around yeah. anymore. They're just not working. And so when you look at the numbers significantly, $1.16 billion in NCAA-related revenues, uh, wow. double pandemic, a little less, but returning uh, from 2019. So we're making it up. And by the way, here's one thing that you ought to know, according to some numbers that we just found. $3.3 million average salary for an NBA rookie. The average uh, scholarship for D1 athlete, about 71 grand. It's about 46 times that. We're not saying that the athlete pay ought to be equal, but considering that up to a year and a half or two years ago, we didn't think about athletes getting paid. Now we do. How about NIL? It's going to be prolific as well, as we know. And I think we'll see a lot of those NIL deals maybe coming out of some of these stars of the yeah. NCAA tournament. Rick, we saw record-breaking numbers from a wagering perspective on Super Bowl 56. Can we expect more record-breaking numbers for the opening rounds of the NCAA tournament? Oh, yeah. Now, the $10 billion was according to Play USA, and that's just an estimate, but we don't know what that means, legal versus illegal. We used to guess at the Vegas numbers and then say, well, if that's Vegas, then look what's happening illegally. Now we don't have to do that because we've got 32 states and even more. And a few of the states are thinking about how to expand their practice. By the way, in Ohio, Kent State and Akron, you know, the MAC conf uh, Conference Championship, the Rocket Mortgage Arena is already talking about building an indoor gaming restaurant facility just as quickly as the Cavaliers are out, which will be pretty quick. And then in 2023, you can have that state doing it. So now we've got practice. In all these states where it's not legal, practice betting is happening. So it's all over the country. We're talking about practice ahead of the NCAA tournament. Quickly here, Rick, we got some more breaking news outside of Selection Sunday last night. Yeah. Tom Brady back for his 23rd year in the NFL, unretiring like Rick Horro did down there in Florida as well as he is our sports professor here on the grid. What does that mean, Rick Horro, for Tom Brady entering the fold once again in the National Football League? Tom Brady entering the fold. You don't need any other brand recognition. It may have been he decided one day he got up and he said, look, Giselle, let, let us, let's screw up the March Madness brackets. Let's announce this at about the same time and see who gets more publicity. Well, he won. 
But here's the real reason he does it. You know, Wednesday at four o'clock is the signing and free agent issue when you have Russell Wilson and Khalil Mack and and uh, and and uh, Amari Cooper and others who have already consummated their trades. You just have to make them official. And it's not going to change those trades. But if Tom Brady decides to come back quick, he he does it by giving teams an extra period to scramble. And boy, are they scrambling. This was unanticipated by everybody except Tom's brand managers. And maybe the worst beat of all, the guy who paid over half a million dollars for the final touchdown pass Tom Brady threw in that NFC division uh, yeah. round to Mike Evans give that against back. the Rams. Yeah. Give, he should. He really should, Rick. Yeah. I know you yeah, would because you're an honest guy as well. Hashtag Our sports professor, Rick Horo. What a great segment. We're going to break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Saw his face last segment in a little tease to what would happen here on a Monday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, and that face you saw was George Belecci kicking off Rick Coro for just a moment because he was so <laughs> eager to join a Monday TMA to not only talk the Boston Celtics, but maybe a bracket breakdown in our Boston breakdown from Nesson's George Belecci. Back on the show. Georgie, pleasure to have you here once again. Ben, always a pleasure to join you. I apologize for kicking off the previous guest. Great guy, really nice, was generous, and didn't yell at me either. I enjoy seeing you back from Arizona. I think you were uh, you know, out there scouting our future yep. national champion for men's basketball, but I'm happy to see you back where you belong, bud. The Wildcats, plus 600, the second shortest price, George, on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I do think there is a ton of value on Tommy Lloyd's group, the number one seed in that South region of the NCAA tournament. But before we got to Selection Sunday, George, and the NCAA tourney bracket reveal, we had some fun in the NBA yesterday. The Jersey retirement of Kevin Garnett at TD Garden for the Boston Celtics against the Dallas Mavericks. First, what was the atmosphere like around KG's retirement and that Jersey going up in the rafters and what it meant for the Seas yesterday? Man, it felt like you could come close to a playoff game for a jersey retirement ceremony. Now, you hear about guys all the time, people that go in and command a room, but Kevin Garnett went into TD Garden, made his return, and commanded an entire arena. 17,000, 18,000 people there hanging on every single word he said when he was giving his speech to the crowd. But what was amazing for KG is that he was left speechless at times. And this is the guy that's, you know, one of the most passionate, intense, one of the most vocal leaders we've ever seen take an NBA floor, and he was left wordless, speechless at certain points. But the Celtics absolutely smashed it out of the park with how they offered tributes to him. We saw Ray Allen make his return. We saw him and Kevin Garnett make amends. Mm. The big three was back together. They shared a bro hug, the three of them. It was an amazing night for Boston sports. The tough part was that the Boston Celtics played some good defense but came up three points shy of pulling off their sixth straight win We'll say it's fitting. Number five is retired. Their win streak ended at five yesterday. But it was a tough loss, and we saw a little bit of, you know, what can be the recipe to slowing down Jason Tatum and slowing down the Celtics offense. 
A five-game win streak snapped yesterday against the Dallas Mavericks, who went outright on the road as a seven-point underdog. Dallas is playing very well as of late, George. They've won 12 of their last 15. And despite the loss yesterday, the Celtics have still won 15 of their last 18 games. So there is some optimism around the Boston Celtics. What stands out to you most about this C's team where we are right now in this NBA season? I'm not going to overreact to one loss. Like I said, you also saw yesterday they shot nine for 37 from three. So they wanted to get the ball and they did get the ball in Jason Tatum's hands. He was making the right plays as always. What Dallas was doing was trapping him right away, double teaming him right away before he even got close to the perimeter. So they wanted to prevent him from even making plays, but he still was able to find that way. The Celtics were getting the looks they wanted, whether it was a Grant Williams three or a Marcus Smart mid-range jump shot. They either, for Marcus Smart, He's very rich in passing up shots now. I think he really just wants to find his groove of attacking the basket and let guys like Grant Williams, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum make it happen from deep Peyton Pritchard as well. But the shots weren't falling for Marcus Smart. He was passing up mid-range shots. He was looking for that going from the good shot to the great shot, but the great shot was never found. And that's a lot of credit to Dallas' defense as well. They're one of the best in the NBA, top three, just like the Celtics, in points allowed per game. And they showed why as well. Luka Doncic, again, a Celtics killer. If it's not him making a buzzer-beating shot, it's him finding Spencer Dinwiddie to hit the game-winning three. So it came down to last few possessions. Jason Tatum just 21 points, which you'll take on any given night from a player. But the heat streak, the hot streak that he was on, it seemed like he became came back down to earth. What's interesting now is the next four-game stretch, four straight games on the road, one against the Warriors and Steph Curry, another one against the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. It'll set up the Celtics for how we'll see them late in the season, too, because they end the season on a three-game road trip as well, including the Bucks in that one, the Memphis Grizzlies as well, and the Chicago Bulls. So we'll get a piece of them on the road right now. We'll get another taste of them later to close out the season. But still, there's a lot of games left. Zal Horford put it perfectly, too, that they are treating these games. He doesn't want to play down how badly they want to win all these games, but it's like practice for the playoffs. Teams are going to come at you, and they're going to throw different looks at you, different blitzes. They're going to find different ways to take Jason Tatum out of the equation. Okay, cool. Well, in the playoffs, you'll have a series to figure that out. So they got to go back to the drawing board and figure out different ways to win themselves. They rode the hot streak of Jason Tatum. He was averaging 39.8 points per game in March leading into this game. Then all of a sudden, the Mavericks took him out of it. Now they go back, hey, how can we win otherwise? And like I said, they're going to have those nights. Shots not just falling. And for them to have a really bad offensive night as a team to lose by three, and even on the Spencer Dinwiddie three that he hit, where there was a double team, Rob Williams came off of Dinwiddie to double a driving Luka Doncic, but there was help defense there, and Jalen Brown was in position. If Rob Williams stays on his assignment, maybe that game goes into overtime. Maybe it adds to the excitement of the night. Maybe the Celtics get a win. But I still like the value you could get at them to win the East. I still look the value you could get at them overall to win the division and make a deep playoff run. To me, still, it's Celtics, Bucks. Those are the teams you want to watch out of the East. The Heat, we'll see how healthy they can get. It just comes down to that. It's health, Ben. It's going to be the war of attrition once again in these playoffs. Certainly, certainly so. The postseason in March for college basketball, we're nearing that point in the NBA. And despite the loss yesterday for the Boston Celtics, as George was detailing right there, $2 of movement in Boston's favor in the Eastern Conference. Still the fifth best odds in this side of the NBA at now 7-1. to one. But George, where do you think the ceiling is for the Boston Celtics this year? I think the ceiling 
it can remain at the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, we see more of what's happening with the Philadelphia 76ers, which I'm still high on. But James Harden, and as we've seen it throughout his NBA career, coming up short in big moments. Because you go back to that Sixers-Nets game, that was a playoff game, man. That was one of the biggest games of the regular season for both of those franchises. KD wanted to get after it, and he did. Kyrie Irving, the same defending Harden at just six feet tall for Kyrie Irving. He wanted the smoke. Seems like James Harden didn't. You know, that's when you get a heavyweight fight of guys exchanging blows. And the Nets delivered theirs. The Sixers with Joel Embiid was able to return theirs. But Harden just was not there for them. Then you go into the Celtics and you go into the Bucs. I still feel like the Bucs are missing pieces. And they still have all the tools to make it happen. And it comes down to who can stop Giannis. And as I mentioned for when the Celtics did beat the Nets, Kevin Durant still had a day. Kyrie Irving a few nights later dropped 50 points himself. KD dropped 53 on Sunday. You know what that offense has? And Ben Simmons is still yet to play for the Nets. So that's what's amazing is that, as I say, their ceiling to me is the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucs. We'll see how the seeding falls all together. At the same time, a healthy Nets team still has the best player in the world in Kevin Durant, still has two of the top three bucket getters in the NBA and in KD and Kyrie and one of the best defenders in Ben Simmons. Cause you put Simmons on Jason Tatum, maybe one-on-one, he can really slow him down and hold him to under 30 points. Who can step up? Kyrie Irving can defend. Kevin Durant can defend as well. So give me Eastern conference finals or a step below. It's still tough for me to see them making it to the finals just because of how loaded at the top the Eastern conference is. I would agree with that point. And that plus 270 price on the Brooklyn Nets that we have seen really all year long as the Nets remain the favorite in the East, we're getting a very small glimpse of how that has been the case in this three-game winning streak for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, George, as we go from the NBA to the NFL, yesterday was Selection Sunday. We're all looking at the bracket, and then a guy that used to play his football in the New England area was like, oh, let me come back for a 23rd year now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the third straight year with the Bucs. Tom Brady unretiring, coming back for that 23rd campaign. George, what was your reaction to Tom Brady, a guy that has been covered in the Boston area and is still beloved by the Pats as well? I was sitting in the arena listening to Kevin Garnett talk and my Mitch Gorman, you know, a lot of Celtics legends, and the air was taken out of my lungs at least. I'm sure it happened a lot around the arena because it also I had that moment of like the audacity. Obviously, I don't think he knew Kevin Garnett was having his jersey retirement at that time. But like you said, it's selection freaking Sunday. I mean, if you go back to Tom Brady, he took all the attention away from the off week of what would be the Super Bowl week. But the reaction overall is I wasn't surprised because that guy had his best season yet in his 22nd season in the league at 44 years old. He's going to be 45 when he starts for the Bucks, and he still had plenty of gas left in the tank. Maybe what I was surprised with is that he was committing to the Buccaneers once again because he lost Ali Marpet, one of his offensive linemen. We still don't know what's happening with Rob Gronkowski. Chris Godwin is coming back, but he won't be there week one because he's coming back from his knee injury. But this was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team overall that dealt with injuries all season long. And with Russell Wilson going to the AFC, Tom Brady is the second best or the best quarterback in that conference between him and Aaron Rodgers and the Buccaneers were a literal comeback away from knocking off the Rams and who knows what happens there. So I feel like there's so much parity as there are in both conferences, but the Bucs have a better chance in the NFC than you could say for any of the teams in the AFC because of how stacked the AFC with quarterback play is. So Tom Brady looked at the landscape, had about six weeks with his family, 
said, you know what? I got enough of parent-teacher conferences and, and carpool lanes, and I want to run it back one more time. I still got plenty to show. It's just amazing that he said he has unfinished business because I think he knows how close the Bucs were to at least playing for a Super Bowl trophy. But that's coming from a dude that's played in 10 Super Bowls, that has seven rings, that had an MVP-like season. Maybe he wants an MVP trophy. Maybe he wants personal accolades as well. It just baffled me and boggled my mind that he's committing to the Bucs. Not surprised me that he's coming back, though, because it's Tom Brady after all. And, dude, he's beaten father time. The Bucs co-favorites in the NFC now at plus 350 with the Green Bay Packers. His former team, the New England Patriots, who George covers very well for Nesson, 16 to 1, tied for the eighth best price in the AFC. George Balecci from Nesson giving us the full Boston breakdown today on the Celtics, on Tom Brady, and maybe some NCAA tournament picks in the future. Thanks, George. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Madness has returned here on a Monday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, now very pleased to welcome on a very bright college hoops handicapper and Anthony DeBundo from Action Network here to look at the bracket and what lays out for the field of 68 over the next three weeks in the big dance. Anthony, how excited are you now that we have a bracket selection Sunday in the rear view and games start in the first four tomorrow night in Dayton, Ohio? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, we finally made it to this month, the the best month of the year, and really the best two week period I think of the of the calendar when it comes to just un you know unbeatable action with all of the close finishes we've had in the last week and all the close finishes we're going to have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Anthony saw a ton of those close finishes at the ACC tournament this past week in Brooklyn, New York, at the Barclays Center. Even got to ask Jim Beheim a question about his son throwing a punch, but we'll save that for another time. So, Anthony, as we had the bracket revealed yesterday in the selection show, I'm sure there were many takeaways, but what stood out to you most about the field of 68? The unevenness of the regions. You look at the Kansas region, and, you know, they get, but I think they're probably the weakest one seed when, when everybody's fully healthy, and they get what I think is an incredibly weak section. You know, the two seed being Auburn. We've talked about how they've struggled down the stretch, three and four in their last seven away from Auburn losing some close games, winning some close games, but have not been very good away from home. The three seed is Wisconsin, who has Johnny Davis injury questions. We, you know, they're the weakest three seed by far. They're in the 30s in Ken Palm for a reason. Providence in the 40s in Ken Palm, they're the weakest four seed maybe we've ever seen. And then the five seed, Iowa, they're the dangerous team in that region, I think. And everybody's now saying that because they just won the Big Ten. So maybe, you know, time to sell high a little bit on the Hawkeyes. Overall, that region is weak. And then you look at the Arizona region, they get Illinois as a four, Houston as a five, Tennessee as a three. I think all three of those teams could have arguably been higher seeded and should be if you look at their you know more advanced metrics. And then the two seed, Villanova, always tough to beat, always dangerous, always well coached. So that's a really tough region for Arizona. And and I think you have to take that into consideration, you know, how strong is the, are the top seeds when you're looking to pick some upsets. 
Yeah, when you look at that three line in the South, Tennessee had an argument a lot said after winning the SEC tournament title to be a two seed. That might have been one of the biggest miss of the seed line yesterday that a lot of people had questions about. But as we focus on that one line, the four number one seeds in this big dance, Gonzaga, the number one overall seed. You have Arizona there in the South region, Kansas, the one seed in the Midwest, and Baylor, the number one seed in the East as well. Big favorites in their opening round games that we have lines out for right now. Of those one seeds, Anthony, I ask you this. Who do you think goes down first? That's really tough. You know, I think it's Kansas still, despite that. And I think if they get San Diego State in the second round, I think San Diego mm -hmm. State, the way they defend, Nathan Mensa is one of the best interior defenders in the entire country. Even if they get Creighton, Ryan Kalkbrenner is one of the best interior defenders in the entire country. You just don't get points at the rim against Creighton. You don't get points at the rim against San Diego State. And those are the kind of teams that I think can cause upsets because they, they do something extremely well that's very difficult to beat. Georgia State is the best 16 seed we've ever seen. Their numbers are weighed down because of they had injuries early in the season. But the Sun Belt champion is very rarely a 16 seed. And I think the committee kind of did them dirty. I was hoping to get them as a 14, as maybe a live dog in that situation. But when you look at Gonzaga's second round game, Arizona, Seton Hall, and TCU don't really match up well. Um, you could argue if Baylor isn't healthy, North Carolina could could have a game like they did against Duke. They're so Jekyll and Hyde. You really don't know what you're getting from Carolina on a night-to-night -night basis. So maybe Carolina, but I, I still think my pick is Kansas in that in that chaos region where I think everybody's overrated. And I think who knows who's going to make the Final Four. But really, San Diego State and Creighton uh, are difficult teams. Memphis would have been a really difficult nine. I just don't know about their game against Gonzaga if they're disciplined enough. I, I love the Hawkeyes, and I love what Iowa presents as that five seed. But they are becoming a very public-loved five seed. Now time for the seventh best odds at plus 390 is Iowa to reach the final four. You mentioned Gonzaga in their opening game against Georgia State, the number one 16 matchup in the West region. It's working in Georgia State's favor. The line opened at 25 and a half. Now it's down to 23 in this Monday morning. So as we look at some potential upsets, probably Georgia State not winning that game out, right? But they could cover. They won 10 straight. They've covered yep. in eight of their last 10 in route to that Sun Belt championship. Maybe some other upsets that catch your eye across the board. We have this graphic here with a couple of games that stand out to us among the NCAA tournament field. Do any stand out to you, Anthony, across the bracket? I'll tell you what, Virginia Tech's probably the best 11 seed we've ever seen, and Texas better be on alert right away. And they guard the middle really well. They have no middle of Chris Beard defense. Virginia Tech doesn't need to get to the rim to score the way they shoot the ball. So I think Virginia Tech matches up pretty well with Texas, and they can compete with them, slow this game down into a crawl. Texas will happily play in the half court. And I think Vatek has an advantage in the half court on both ends of the floor. So I, I think there's a potential upset there. Really not buying Texas. But again, that's going to be a pretty popular pick. One that's not too popular, and you guys were just talking about this, Colgate. Last year, Colgate got a really, really tough draw with an extremely athletic, extremely uh, long Arkansas team that pressed them and ran them out of the gym in the end, and they ran out of gas. Wisconsin will play in the half court. Wisconsin doesn't really have the three-point shooting, whereas to the point now where if Colgate makes a bunch of threes and Wisconsin's not hitting theirs, they're going to be very much in the game. I know it's in Milwaukee, which... You know, that's a big, big help for, for Wisconsin for sure. But 
I think the Badgers, we don't know the status of Johnny Davis. He was battling an injury. He did not play well. He had his worst game of the season, arguably, in the quarterfinals against uh, Michigan State in the Big Ten. And I, I just really don't know what to expect from with this Wisconsin team. They're in every game late. They play well as dogs, but they're not a great big favorite. So, you know, eight eight line. I think there's eight out there. Uh, I, I took some Colgate. I like them. I also did take some Georgia State at, at plus 24 and a half. Uh, I do think they're going to be somewhat competitive. And Zags have been taking their foot off the gas. Other upsets, Colorado State yep. against the uh, Michigan boys. I know Michigan has a size advantage inside, but the Rams offense will pick apart this Michigan State defense. Nico Medved, great game planner, will get Dickinson in pick and rolls. They'll get Roddy rolling. Uh, and and this offense is electric. So I think they're going to – it really should be a toss-up game. But Colorado State catching two and a half, three uh, as the higher seed, a little bit disrespectful to my Rams, who I think will win that game. I was shocked to see that line open up with Michigan as an 11 seed who wasn't even in the first four, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. A Michigan team that is 8-14 against the number when booked as a favorite this year. A Michigan team – that is just 13 and nine straight up when booked as a favorite this year. Colorado State getting two and a half for Colorado State at plus 114 on the money line makes a ton of sense to me. So, Anthony, as we look at the national championship board, Gonzaga, the shortest price we have seen all year long as the favorite at plus 300. That would mean to me there's probably some value in other spots, maybe not even that far down the national championship futures market. Where do you believe the value is of the final team cutting down the nets as a national champion exactly three weeks from tonight? Kentucky is still six and a half to one. Uh, I think they're going to walk to the final four. I really don't see anybody in their path that's going to beat them. You look at their potential path. Yep. First, they're going to get Murray State or San Francisco, two teams that are near and dear to my heart, who I wished were playing somebody else so I could bet on yep. both of them in the first round, but they're not. Yep. That's going to be the that's the most exciting match of the first round, by the way. Uh, not sure I'll even bet it, but I'll be watching. Uh, but I think Kentucky handles both. Then they get to the Sweet 16. I'm not a big believer in a lot of those teams in that little quadrant of the bracket. Uh, I think Kentucky will have a lot of success against all of them. And then at the top of the bracket, I think they're the best team. Baylor has not had the depth. They have struggled. We saw what what Kentucky did to the last Big 12 team they played. That was on the road at the Fog. Baylor could be healthier by then. But I also don't know how they compete with Shibway with, with JTT out now. So, so you look at the Kentucky region, Purdue is very vulnerable. Texas has been a mess. Uh, I think Kentucky walks to the Final Four. Uh, do they win the title? I don't know. They're probably going to be my pick in most of my bracket pools because I don't think a lot of people are going to pick a two-seater or Arizona or Kansas like they always do. So I'll probably roll with a two-seed my, in my brackets for some leverage. But I think Gonzaga and Kentucky on the left side are pretty strong favorites for a reason. To get to the final four and i do think the cats at six and a half to one shibway is just incredible and and hopefully they got their bad shooting game out of the way they they made no threes uh against tennessee zero so i think that hopefully that doesn't happen again and the uh, the cats are going to make it to the final four the market agrees with anthony debundo a college hoops handicapper for the action network on those kentucky wildcats because kentucky is the two seed in the east but they're plus 850 to win the national championship the third best price the one seed in the east are the baylor bears the reigning national champs and they're 10 to 1 so kentucky a better number to cut down the nets as a national champion than the one seed in their own region so as we go across the bracket anthony maybe an under the radar team that stands out to you that could make 
a Cinderella run of sorts or a deep run at least in March Madness to reach the final four not a one seed not a two seed let's go further down the seed line for a team that you think has some potential in the big dance well it's it's you know the first team everybody's going to tell you is Iowa and you know for the reason of the fact that they are the second best team in efficiency since February started so they're the biggest difference everybody talks about the Iowa offense Iowa's offense Keegan Murray Jordan Bohannon they're all great yada 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 but the reality is that the number one reason this team is competing at the level they have been is the defense has improved they're turning over teams a little bit more they're protecting the rim a little bit better they're guarding a little bit more uh defensively trending up in the right direction exactly what you want to see something you don't usually see from fran mccaffrey teams they tend to go the other direction as the year continues but this team has come together uh iowa in that region of of just bad overrated teams i think iowa is the one if you're looking for a potential five seed and then in that region, you know, in the region below them uh, in the south, you look at it and you're looking at potentially some Tennessee as a three yep. seed. I like their path a lot to the Sweet 16. Uh, as much as I love my Rams, I don't love the matchup they would have with Tennessee. I think Tennessee's just a little too physical. They can switch everything uh, and, and kind of take the Rams out of what they want to do offensively. But Tennessee should be able to get to the second weekend. And then if they get there... I like the way that they match up with Villanova. I know they got killed in the first meeting, but that was a long time ago. They have improved a lot. Their two guards, Kai Ziegler and Kennedy Chandler, are playing together more, and I really think that would be a, a grinded-out type of game, uh, really a toss-up game. So the the one thing is the region is just so tough, but Tennessee is going to be my three-seed dark horse, and they already did beat Arizona this year. I know it was at home, but they did beat Arizona, and, and the Wildcats without Karakrisa could be vulnerable. So we don't know his status, but they could be vulnerable. Both of those teams that Anthony just mentioned, Iowa and Tennessee, probably arguably the two hottest teams entering the NCAA tournament. Iowa, a Big Ten tournament title. They have won 12 of their last 14 games. And since the start of February, an average victory margin of 16.4 points per game. Tennessee has won seven straight in 12 of their last 13 en route to an SEC tourney title there's a reason that anthony has his eyes on both the vols and the yeah, hawks anthony debundo a college hoops handicapper from the action network breaking down the bracket with us here on a monday following selection sunday ahead of the big dance starting in just a few days anthony thank you so much can't wait to talk to you more throughout this month of march we come back on the morning after following the break with some more about the ncaa tournament in buy or sell stay here SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The bracket has been released the first four starts tomorrow night in Dayton Ohio followed by two more on Wednesday and then the opening round of 64 on Thursday St. Patrick's Day for the NCAA tournament a breakdown of the big dance all day long here on this Monday on the morning after and sports grid Sirius XM channel 159 and as we round out our number two we play a little game to see the value for maybe the one lines in the NCAA tournament. We do that right now in Buy or Sell. 
A little NCAA tournament overall handicapping for you to know. As you start to fill out your brackets and as you start to find out your best bets for the big dance. Since the tournament field expanded in 1985 to a field of 64, now 68, 36 national champions have been crowned. 23 of the 36 national champs have been a number one seed. So are we buying or selling that Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor one of those four will be a national champion this year. I'm buying it, and I'm buying stock into the Arizona Wildcats. Plus 600, the one seed in the South. Here is why I think Arizona presents a ton of value just on the number alone. Gonzaga is such a short favorite at 3-1 to one right now. Nearly half the price of where Arizona is, plus 600. So Arizona is double that price on Gonzaga. That's value right there because when a favorite is such a short favorite, there is value on the rest of the board, even the second best odds, even one of the other favorites to win the national championship. Kentucky, who Anthony DeBundo just referenced at plus 850, I think has tons of value as well. I don't know if Gonzaga makes the final four. I might be looking at Texas Tech up in that West region, but I do believe Kentucky will be there out of the East. I think Arizona will be there out of the South. Got to figure out the Midwest region. I love the Iowa Hawkeyes, but they might be becoming just a tad too public. We get to hour number three. Happy hour here on the morning after on a Monday. Coming up next on the other side of the break.